Can you talk a little bit to the issue of adequacy in terms of the law? Our university being adequate in terms of the law. I mean, if we're trying to convince our partners that we are a public authority within Canada with regards to um, management of, of personal data, is there is there is this another leg we can stand on? Another, you know, opportunity for us? Definitely. So you you actually raised two legs we can stand on, interestingly enough. So uh, I will draw on the first leg, which would be the fact that, as you mentioned, we are a public body. Um, I, I alluded to that at the beginning of the podcast as well, that we are we are a provincial creature uh, from the provincial legislature. So we can rely on the fact that we are a public authority or a public body. And I had made reference to um, potentially just relying on an MOU as your legally binding instrument. Um, so again, GDPR... Uh, makes this derogation or makes this reference to the fact that if the per if the personal data again we're dealing with first name last name at company.com uh, that personal data is being transferred outside of uh, the UK or the EU uh, and it's being transferred to another public body you can rely on what the legislation refers to as legally binding instruments so whether that's a uh, legitimate contribution agreement uh, from, yeah, for instance, a, a, uh, a funded science agency, or that's an MOU that is just struck between the two organizations, those would be considered those legal binding instruments that you may be able to rely on. Um, so within these instruments, you still need to identify appropriate safeguards, uh, data protection clause, uh, data protection clauses around how we're going to protect that language, what would happen if there was a breach. Um, but they're not as restrictive of, as the standard contractual clauses, which are based in law and effectively cannot be changed. They can only be added to. So, you know, relying again on our public authority uh, status is, or and for any university, really, that is a publicly funded university and is recognized by the their provincial legislature because this isn't just a Carleton thing. This is this is a university wide uh, situation, and even colleges. Um, that's that's one one leg we can stand on. So, um, for instance, at Carleton, we have a data protection agreement that we can supply with a standard MOU. Um, and for our purposes, we would we would say that that's efficient and uh, effective for that transfer and protection of data. The second leg is, as you mentioned, this adequacy status. So again, GDPR, another derogation, um, makes reference to countries that are considered adequate. What this means is that there was a review done uh, or there would be a review done by the European Data Protection Board. In our case, it was the previous uh, European Commission uh, or, or was the, the previous, I should say, Article uh, 29 Working Party um, under the old directive where we obtained our adequacy. So what they look at is they look at a country's basically human rights records, whether the privacy legislation um, is sufficient enough to maintain and meet the human right privacy obligations to European citizens, Canada has been deemed adequate uh, with respect to um, every organization that collects, uses, or discloses personal information in the course of a commercial activity. Uh, so what that means is, is that 
we are considered adequate so long as the transfer of data is for a quote-unquote commercial purpose. Mm. Uh, that means that, again, we wouldn't need to sign the restrictive standard contractual clauses. We would then just relate back to our original, again, data protection agreement or data protection clauses we want to build into uh, the, the contribution agreement or whatever whatever mechanism is allowing this partnership to occur. But earlier you referred to the FIPIDA as covering, let's say, the commercial activities such as parking at Carlton or, you know, athletics. What about the research component of, uh, it's also really, uh, it's a university service in a sense, or does it have to be contractually um, set up as a service agreement or can we or can any legally binding document be, be considered uh, a university service then under FIPIDA? That's another great question again because the legislation doesn't necessarily describe uh, a commercial nature um, it is it is open to interpretation and so um, that's you know I, I made references to parking because that's you know that's clearly a, a money situation where someone needs to pay money in order to, to park on campus. With respect to research agreements, there is that you know there is a financial consideration, potentially revenue generating uh, consideration as well. Um, so that's why you know adequacy isn't necessarily it's it's a leg we can stand on, but it's it's kind of like that last leg we would stand on before we're were absolutely forced in signing those restrictive standard contractual clauses. Um, but I would, you know, I would rely on a blend of being a public authority using data protection contractual language uh, in the MOU or whatever this this legally binding instrument is. And again, the fact that we are a Canadian organization that prior to 2006 we were subject to PIPEDA and we had to follow PIPEDA. Um, because universities in Ontario did not become subject to provincial privacy legislation until the summer of 2006. So we were already following PIPEDA. We were already considered uh, as an adequate organization. Therefore, when we consider that FIPA is more restrictive than PIPEDA, it, is, it can be argued that we are adequate under PIPEDA. Well, you've really helped me understand this uh, a great deal. Um, it seems, though, that <laughs> we, um, we're becoming data diplomats. 